With the first pick in the 2008 WNBA draft, the Los Angeles Sparks select Candace Parker. With the first pick in the 2011 WNBA draft, the Minnesota Lynx select Maya Moore from the University of Connecticut. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Rebel Edition, your bi-weekly WNBA podcast brought to you by Sports Ethos and Outlet Pass. My name is Corey Rausch. I'm a contributor and board member for Outlet Pass covering the WNBA and MNBA. Uh, I'm joined by Bailey Caldwell. I'll get into him in a, in a moment. I uh, wanted to start this off by uh, shouting out Chris Angram, our, our co-host, who is taking a little bit of time away from the pod. Uh, she will be back whenever she is ready to be back. It, it, we will always hold down the spot for her until then because she makes us better. So definitely look forward to having Carissa back. But uh, Bailey, how are you? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Carissa's cooking up some stuff too. So. Oh, yeah. The grind never stops. So, uh, yeah, it's 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 been a week. We we, ended, we intended to come back last week, and then we just, life got in the way. But uh, we have – I mean, two series are done. Two series are going to a game three. Uh, so a little bit of playoffs and stuff like that to talk about. Where do you want to get started with? Do you want to get started with? The, the, let's. I'll, I'll actually just take points since, you know, I'm hosting this thing. Uh, before we get into any of the series, thoughts on, on the format itself. I know that this has been a hot topic on, on W Twitter. I, I would like to – I'm interested to hear your thoughts on it because I don't love it. I also don't – until there's chartered flights, I don't really think there's a, a, a reasonable fix for it. But what are your thoughts? Well, I saw a lot of people talking about it. You know, you saw James Wade comments, Bird comment. Uh, we're probably two of the more notable people. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's a three-game series. And in my opinion, it's fine to do two games in one place and one game in a location. I know – People are saying, well, then if it's uh comes to a game three, then the lower seed has home court, whatever the dub. But I'm just to me, that means that when they needed to do what they needed to do on the road, they did, and they earned the right, you know, to come home. And also, my biggest issue with it is not necessarily the format on the court. My biggest issue was when it was announced, like the primary logic was just that they didn't have the money to do it. Like, I I feel like sometimes, and I understand the financial constraints of the league. I'm not trying to just throw that away. But I feel like sometimes the league takes a woe is me, broke is me mindset. And obviously that's a factor into this choice because the W teams are so spread out. You know, there's only eight teams and they're very spread out. But at the same time, like, in any other type of series, it would start with two games in one location. 
So theoretically speaking, doing it that way in a three game series, isn't that outrageous in my opinion. And it just puts, it keeps the pressure on the, the teams that it needs to keep the pressure on. In my opinion, I mean, you get the home court, you're expect you should win those first two and be done. If you slip up and don't, then you have to do the same thing your opponent just did, but you're, what I don't understand, the seven seed Liberty coming into Chicago and beating the two seed Sky is not the same as the two seed Sky having to go to New York to beat the seven seed Liberty. And like, also, yes, I understand that it's a random game and things happen, but like, if he said, what well, like people were saying, well, what do they play the whole season for? So the fact that if you don't drop a game, you never even have to go on the road. Like, that's what you do the whole season for, right? Like, right. the fact that if you don't sit there and let the New York Liberty go on a 13-0 run to end the first game, this isn't even an issue. So a lot of people, like, I, I, I do think that I have issues with the format. I don't feel bad for anyone who is, like, I feel bad for, like, the likes of, like, uh, like it, it seems like I think Dallas said that their flight got canceled, so now they have, like, that. that's a whole mess. Obviously, we could talk about flights forever, but whatever you're sitting here and telling me it's not fair, woe is me. Just win your freaking games. You were right. better than them all season, right? Uh, or like, I don't feel bad for the Mystics because it's like I thought the Mystics were really good this year. I'm stunned that they went home after two games, but also theoretically, if you're going to win in the high level, you have to win on the road. If you're going to drop mm-hmm. both games, I don't feel that bad for you. Like at the end of the day, this is a competition and. These higher seed teams won the right to have more home games or all home games if you win the two games. Right. And yeah, I mean, you you played 36 games for that reason. I I I don't know. And then obviously when the league is in a different place travel wise, financial wise, maybe geographically with expansion, then maybe we could look into doing a one one one. But ideally by that time we get to a five or a seven game series. Yeah, And we don't have to have this problem. But, I, I mean, I was a little skeptical of it at first. I was, you know, a little – and I think I sped, said that on this pod. I, I think I said, you know, I'm not sure about it. But after seeing it in action and seeing the results that it's developed and the quality of games, like – Other than the games at noon, because there's no reason in the world where you should have games at noon and these players are playing off their body clock and, and screwing things up. And I'm not just saying that as a Connecticut Sun fan whose team came and got kicked in the teeth. I just, I mean, you, there's a reason why both noon games were blowouts like that because yeah. like, it's, it's just an unnatural environment for these players who, like, it, it, if you're not someone who's thinking about it and you're just like, like whatever, you're getting paid to be an athlete, you can do that. But it's like your life is so structured to the point where you're going to be playing later that it's going to have these 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 bizarre results. So and um, and I think it's I think it's very weird how you have a noon game and the next game starts like six or eight. Like what are we doing? Yeah, I don't I don't understand that and. To me, I don't know what the logic is behind that, but if it's, oh, well, XYZ is on at eight, I don't care. Go compete. That's what you do. You're a professional league. You're trying to go. You're trying to show your worth and earn your spot. Go well, do I it. Think, I think what would be frustrating me is a lot of times they want to blame that uh, the, the arenas will prioritize other things. And it's like, well, if you're going to sit here and cry poor or you're going to sit here and talk about like that, what was me stuff? Eventually, other people, like, we care a lot because we're diehards, but I can understand why somebody who's not paying attention or, like, these arenas are like, well, if they're telling us no one's going to pay attention or they're telling us that this, like, everything is this lower tier, why should we care? And then, so, like, it's just, I think that the ad, like, 
carrier, like, I think the league itself as the carry itself is more of a professional thing. And I understand that money is a constraint, but like I've said this from the start, you, you said that like for some teams it would be expensive. It's like, well, here's the thing. You already had a number of owners sit there and say that they would fund that. So yes. let them. I don't care if it's a competitive disadvantage. You know what's a competitive disadvantage? Not being able to fully fund your league or not giving your players the quality of life that they deserve. That's a competitive disadvantage. Yeah. So I, it, it really reared its head to me this past week. And it, like, it's not directly related to the complaints of the way the series is structured, but it's not not. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think that in, in terms of the way this is structured, I like this much better than I like the single game elimination. Mm-hmm. And if that's like, I, I didn't, necessarily I, once James Wade sat there no comment and a couple other things I really kind of stopped paying attention to what he was talking about in general for the weekend because I was like well I'm not going to get much out of this because this is where we're at we're going to sit here I understand that there's gamesmanship to it but I was just kind of turned off but I, so did he complain because he has to go on the road or did he complain because it's three or did he complain because he doesn't get a double buy anymore like what was the crux of the complaint well this happened um like before the playoffs even started. Oh, okay. And if I remember the quote correctly, it's mostly just about the lower seed getting a pivotal three game, third game. Like, but again, to me, just handle your business. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, mean, I I get what he's he, saying. He, yes. Yeah, like I get what he's saying too. His, um, he talked about random off nights or injuries or whatever. Like all those things are factors for sure. Sure, but it's a playoffs. You can't have a random off night. And which is also why I think. Let's just be honest. Right. I agree with you. You got to have it every night. But I also just think, like, the quicker we can get to five. Yes. At least, the better. Um, but I am very happy with the three. I mean, you know, we're going to dive into it here soon. But even those blowouts, to me, were entertaining because mm-hmm. you got to see those teams playing at their, like, peak. And making adjustments and figuring things out and yeah, and I, I and specifically it. for a few that we'll dive into, like they didn't take the foot off the gas. No, and to no. to me, I've always been of the belief that running up a score or whatever it may be, however you may view it, is the is essentially giving your opponent your best shot, and that is the biggest way to respect your opponent. I agree. Like, giving them your best shot. A lot of people complain when you see crazy scores, like out of the blue, 40, 30-point games, 80-point games. Like in high school, I saw where there was a team that won like 150 to 2 and their coach got suspended. I'm just like, I know how it looks, but at the same time, like. This is like, there's a reason why you keep score. Yeah, and you put, like. It's your best versus their best. And if your best is 150 points better than their best, then so be it. I don't know. I mean, I maybe I'm cold-hearted for that, but, but we can dive into some of these games and get into more specifics because I try to, yeah. you know, keep it under wraps. But, but yeah, I, I like the three. You know, I'll wrap it up just by saying I like the three uh, so far, but I do want to see them get eventually to five because I think there will be – I guess there's more precedent and it'd be, you know, you'd hear a little less complaint. Yeah. No, I, I ideally for me, I said this one after the – I, like right after the first set of games, I think I said that I, my idea would be five five three, or sorry five five seven. I don't want yes. five, five five seven, but like I'll take it. I'm happy with three over one. I, I we like at this point last year we would have already been done with like 
we'd be we'd be down to four teams. So mm-hmm. and I, like, what would Chicago like? Obviously, Chicago would have had a buy in this world. But if it was a single game elimination, Chicago lets up that thirteen zero run, they're gone. Like so, right. counter blessings. Like I don't know. I, I'm whatever. Let's start with Chicago and New York. They're one of the series that's still going on, but they're the one that I think started off the playoffs. Um, you had, like I said, the third, the, it started with a, one of the most mind blowing Marine passes uh, that kind of like set the internet on fire for a moment. And then they never looked back in that game. The, the, the Liberty were able to knock off the sky surprisingly in game one. Um, the sky responded by winning by what 38, the highest margin in WNBA playoff history over the weekend. So now we're going to New York for a pivotal game three. Um, Sabrina was very good in the first game, kind of disappeared in the second game. Uh, you you made the point of mentioning that Natasha would Natasha Howard would win a game, and she was awesome in game one. Um, so that was kind of cool to see just your prediction come come to light. James Wade was named Executive of the Year today, kind of trying to kind of keep up with all the news and, and notes as we go along for each series. So, um. What have you thought about the series so far, and what do you think is coming in, in Game Three? I think this was one matchup. I thought the Liberty, regardless of seven or eight seed they got, would have matched up really well against either opponent. Mm-hmm. And I think we've seen that. Um, and they, even in their blowout, there were things that you could really look to. Little small things, in my opinion, that last year's Liberty team would not have done. And part of that's just like Sandy Brandello talked about, have some pride, just play hard. And I think they did that for the most part. And even though the score was not what it should have been, like I don't I, I remember the commentary crew talking about like why is Sabrina still in the game? Like they were still playing pretty hard all the way to the end. And I don't think last year's New York team would have done that. No. Um but Chicago, on the other hand, that pass, I think it was it was so incredible because that pass started the ending sequence of that game. And I really think it was kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah. Because I think the Liberty came out and gave the Sky a little bit more than they thought they were going to or than the Sky thought they were going to. And so I think that it was a bit more of a fight. and. But I also think that that was the sky playing down to the Liberty. I mean, let me say yeah. that. Let me go ahead and say that because they did not have a good first game at all. Looked kind of lazy, sluggish. I'm not really sure what the word is, but they just looked – there were times when they just looked old, you know, really and truly. Uh, they just didn't really come out like I thought they were going to. And um, so – Honestly, sometimes they looked a lot like the or the the sky of last regular season, where they kind of did not like like you said they played down to the competition, they played down to the effort level, they played like it, whatever you want to call it, but it was not like the juggernaut that we saw in the last playoffs. The second game one, is, I was about to say but, the second game, they were just the complete opposite. Yeah, and, so it's so frustrating, right? Well, I don't even want to say it's frustrating. Is I I so random random side reference here but uh pat riley wrote a book called the winner within and i've yeah. read it like three times and he talks a lot about how there are different steps to being a champion and being some cases dynastic some cases not and a lot of those involve like 
um, what's called it? He calls him a thunderbolt, and it can be a bad loss, a bad injury, like something that just shakes up the entire team. And like losing the first game of your playoffs as defending champs could have been that, especially when you consider Kalia Copper got shook up and all these things. Like could have been that, and this guy could roll all the way through, or they could come out in New York tomorrow and look rattled. We don't know yet, but um. I'm a little more of an optimist. I've been saying I had this guy all year, and I'm going to stick by that. And I'm going to say they're going to continue to roll, maybe not to the tune of 38 points every night. But, yeah, I I, I don't think we're going to see that again. Um, but, yeah, the second game was incredible. The way they were defending just was – their defensive that night was terrifying. Mm-hmm. I mean, because you get in a pick and roll, and then it's like – Emma Miesman's coming up, and she's sliding, hands up, defending, deflecting, and then uh, whoever they screened, whether it was Rebecca Gardner or Courtney Vandersloot or Ali Quigley or Kadlia Copper, is not letting her have that passing lane while the other big is still moving their feet well enough to stay in front of Like It was legitimately terrifying, and I heard uh, James Wade talking about it in a huddle during one of the um, game breaks about how they were trusting each other and knowing that they could play aggressive defense because their help was going to be behind them. And it was frustrating a little bit. They needed to keep doing that. And that's exactly what they did. Like Rebecca Gardner, good Lord, that game. I, I, (laughs) she was everywhere, Mm -hmm. everywhere on every possession. There were some sessions picking up full court. I mean, she was just all over the place, dogging whoever she was against, on the ball, off the ball, help, pick and roll, switch head, whatever. Like, any defensive thing she could do, she was doing and doing it at the highest of levels. It was – to me, I know they put up a lot of points. I know they won by 38, but the defense was the most fascinating part of that game for me. Yeah, I mean, they held the they held the Liberty at 33% shooting from the field in. 15% from three. The starters for the Liberty combined for what, 15, 17, 19, 23 points. That, that's, that's insane. Whereas you had not what, 10 different players for the Sky score, two, four, four of them, five of them in double figures, two more with eight each. Like it's, they were just a, such a two way juggernaut. And that's, I, you're right. Frustrating is probably not the right word because I'm not like. But if I'm a fan of that team, I'm like, where was this? Why? Why did we have that 13 out a run? Like, how how does that happen? If we're sitting here trying to repeat, so it's it's weird. What do you think? What are you expecting? I you said you're expecting the sky to win tomorrow night and close this one out, right? Yeah, most definitely. I do. I am too. Uh, I will be rooting for the Liberty for selfish reasons, but I, I expect the sky. Um, Getting into the next series, this is the other one that's still split, and this is why I am rooting for the Liberty. Um, Connecticut looked amazing in game one. Game two was uh, Dallas made an adjustment, and uh, Connecticut did not. I was very frustrated, obviously. But, like, I picked it to go three before the series, so obviously, like, I would have rather it not be – I would rather not be, like, such a huge swing in terms of of scoring output where – Connecticut won huge in game one. They only ended up losing by 10 in uh, game two, but it was it was not a 10-point game. So uh, I don't really have anything to take away from this series just because of how drastically different these two two games were. It's 
I'm not sure what to make of it so far. I do believe the Connecticut will be able to close it out in game three, even though it is in Dallas. And that is why I'm rooting for uh, New York, because I we lost all four games to to Chicago this year. I really like not, you know, have a repeat performance of that in the postseason. So, um, but what do you, what are, what are your thoughts on the, on the Connecticut Dallas series so far? I think that series is kind of playing along the way these teams, not necessarily in their head to heads, but the way each team played. We saw some nights where Dallas looked like a juggernaut. We saw other nights where they looked absolutely terrible. We saw some nights where Connecticut looked like a juggernaut. Other nights where they looked absolutely terrible. And of all the, I mean, I know there's only two series that are one one now, but I, I thought of all the series, this was the biggest coin flip mm-hmm. because we've talked about Dallas without Enrique and what they look like and how they play, and we've talked about Connecticut and just how they look and how they play, and it's you never know. Like I, I wouldn't call either of these teams consistent. They're consistently yeah. inconsistent. Yeah. And there's a lot of a lot of 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 entropy involved in that series in my opinion. But in in the second game, I I, I didn't watch the first one cuz it's a blowout. But the second game I did watch a little bit more and you know Big T had a great game. 17 and 11. I thought Izzy had a really strong performance in her 18 minutes. Alicia Gray, to me, really showed off her versatility. She didn't shoot the ball very well. She was only one for seven from deep. Um, But eight assists, five boards, and three steals with no turnovers. I thought that was impressive. Uh, To me, Ty Harris has been really good for them off the bench. Just kind of being consistent and stabilizing presence like we all know she can do. Everybody except Vicky Johnson, I guess. On the other end, uh, Courtney Williams, not a good game. Not a good Courtney Williams game. Um, AT, kind of quiet. That's smooth minus 30. <laughs> um, you know, we're not going to – I don't know really what to say about that. Matisha Heidemann didn't, didn't make a shot. I thought that the Sun bench had a good showing, specifically Bree Jones and Dijanae. They had really strong showings. But it was like one of those games where it was weird because I I don't usually think of the Connecticut bench beyond Bree Jones being really impactful consistently. But you're missing Dewana Bonner, Alyssa Thomas is anywhere to be found, Cordy Williams, Matisha Heideman. Like the players that usually show up didn't show up. And then I'm not saying these that, that like Dijanae and them don't normally show up, but like they're not usually who we highlight. Yeah. And I don't, I don't, I don't mean that in disrespect. I know we, we love their, I love their bench when I've talked about their players, but uh, I wasn't expecting them to play as big of a role, I guess is what I'm getting at. Uh, as be as impactful. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was, it was a rough outing. Cause you're right. Ellis almost was quiet, but I'm, I'm more focusing on the, the two players that I like to bemoan the most and Courtney Williams and Dewana Bonner combining uh, to be what? I think they were. Four for 12. Yeah, that's uh, – and then you, then with the 0 for 4 from Tish that you mentioned, it's just like 
when that's your starting like one, two, three, that's that that's a recipe for disaster. As good as Jonquel was, and she was good, and, and Bree Jones was great off the bench as always. And yeah, I don't know. I, I think that I, I do think that they're gonna end up getting it done in Dallas because I do think that and like you said, these two teams are inconsistent. And yeah. Connecticut all season has dug themselves holes and then been able to come back. And they were not able to come back on Saturday. I actually Right. If I remember, like, I, I, I just – I think that I don't trust Dallas to be able to do it multiple times. It's nice having Satu Sobley back, not that she's been the huge impact factor. Like you said, Tia McCown and Alicia Gray and, and, and Ty Harris have been more of that than, than she has. But it's very nice to see her back on the court. But, um, well, let's just hope that Connecticut does win because otherwise the pack that I open whenever uh, – <laughs> When they don't, then they would. I'm very frustrated that uh, my team is going to be forever associated with the first playoff win in the franchise history of the Dallas Wings in Dallas. So I don't love that, but here we are. Let's move on to the sweeps before I, you know. Before before we do that, I just want to say I'm, I was looking for a stat and I found it. I feel like, yeah, I mean, the, the record kind of backs this up. The wings are better on the road than they are at home. Mm-hmm. Like I'm looking at their stats right now. Like they're eight and ten at home and ten and eight on the road this year. So like I kinda like your chances in that regard. Their stats are a little different. I'm not gonna break them all down. They score a little more at home. Um let's see, they shoot better at home. No. So yeah, I mean I, I don't know. I I think I think this series might benefit Connecticut going back to Dallas. <laughs> it might, it might. I like. I'd rather just secure the sweep and hope and, and be able to sit at home and watch the Liberty and hope for the best. But, uh, I like my chances. I, I think I, I like. This is not to be glibbering. I just think we're the better team, and I think that while the match, the, the, the tweet can help the matchup on on Saturday. I also think that. Uh. Everything was kind of weird on Saturday with it being like the noon tip and everything like that. And obviously you would think that, that would hurt the road team more because they're also off their body clock even more because of the time difference, but it did not. But yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to Wednesday and hoping for a win and on to the next one. The Las Vegas Aces took care of business against the excessively depleted Phoenix Mercury. Shouts to Shea Petty. Get well soon. That's... I hate that so much. Awesome. Oh, I hate that so much. Um, ESPN obviously felt the need to, you know, associate themselves with the trauma porn of, of of that being the highlight they show of her being carried off. I hated that. That's yeah. That's I I didn't see that. Like I saw it when it was live and didn't see it again. But that's terrible. I will admit that I did not watch the game live because I go to bed early and I was I was going to watch it the next day and then between the injury and the score and all of that. I ended up not going back and watching it, um, but I, I watched the highlights and stuff. So it's just, I, I don't think any of this is really all that surprising. Like right? the aces look fantastic. Chelsea Gray looked fantastic in her, especially in the second game with 27 points and eight assists. What can you really take from this though? Right. It, it, like I said, it's the, the mercury or a shell of themselves at this point. And the Aces are, I mean, they're the number one seed for a reason. So do you take much from this series or just more just Aces taking care of business? 
Well, I think there's a value to the Aces taking care of business. Sure, and, sure, sure, sure. At the end, at the end of the day, you still have to go do it. I have, I have a few major points. Uh, the first one is, like I said, I hope Skyler is doing okay. And apparently, a lot of Twitter agrees with me too because I just tweeted, "I hope Skyler's okay," and it got a lot of love. Um, very unusual for a player of her platform and talent and competitive spirit to be so MIA especially during a playoff run. And I'm not even talking about like playing on the court. I'm just talking about like social media silence. Like, like she literally just stepped away from the whole world. Um, So I hope that Skylar is doing okay with whatever she's going through, wherever she is, whoever she's with, I hope she's okay. Secondly, Kayla Davis should not just be a hardship talent. Kayla Davis should be, a mainstay in this league on somebody's team, on somebody's bench, and in somebody's rotation. Like, I, she impressed me a lot. There was a big, big opportunity in Phoenix for reasons we've already mentioned, and she made the absolute most of it against a great team in a playoff environment on the road. So, yeah. Uh, thirdly, we talked about Shea Petty. Uh, prayers up for her. But this entire Phoenix Mercury team, I, 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 I hope they are getting whatever they need. Um, you know, Sophie Cunningham talked about going on a trip afterwards. Uh, she said she's going to Hawaii. I have issues with going to Hawaii, but I second the uh, the sentiment. Why do you have issues with going to Hawaii? Because Hawaii is um, struggling, and tourism is impacting that negatively. Okay, yeah, I didn't uh, know that. Good to know. Yeah, um, like they're the residents there are have been dealing with a lot of issues that are largely connected to people like the tourists. Um, so yeah, um, I do I do not like that Sophie keeps talking about Tina Charles, but such is her right. Um, you know, I think she's just let it go. Uh, then my last takeaway was the Aces packed that arena out. And that environment was infectious through the TV. You can only imagine what's like in person because it was yeah. like that through the TV. So that that's awesome. And you love like, I mean, I think that's one thing I've really taken away from the season, just how much the environments in certain places are just jumping off the screen, and that is certainly one of them. Chicago's was crazy, too. Chicago's crazy. Atlanta was like that this year. Being in the house for the Mystics this year was awesome. So, like, I I think you're really starting to see that something's starting to click. Yeah, Seattle's been good. Seattle's been good for years now. Um, I I have my, you know, thoughts on the storm. They're usually not a team I really – watch a lot but every year they pack it out they they really go hard for their storm up there and i appreciate that even though i butt heads with storm fans sometimes on twitter i appreciate them um so i do want to ask you a question from this series because there is one thing i I do think this is a notable thing um we talked about it all year but it's still present now even in like a third point blowout vegas's bench or lack thereof 
level of concern for you, Corey? Um, yes, pretty high. I think that – yeah, so, like, the starters in this series – I mean, obviously, this series is a little bit out of whack, right? So, take it with a grain of salt. But the starters of this series combined to average, that's 44, 59 and a half, 72, 79 points per game, right? That's insane. That, that, that's crazy. The bench, the highest scorer was Raquan Williams, six and a half points per game. Then Kirsten Bell, five and a half. Rupert, four and a half. And Teresa Plaisance, two and a half. And obviously, it's not just about scoring, but uh, you'd like to think that they're going to have something that they could throw at somebody. And I just, I, I don't see it. I, I Obviously, things will be helped whenever Big Guard comes back. But that's only one person coming off the bench then. And uh, I think Seattle's been pretty impressive. I'm nervous for, if you're if you're someone who's rooting for the Aces, then I think you have to be yeah. a little bit nervous because you're seeing yeah. a, a team like the Storms kind of rounding into form. Your starters are elite, and from there you are shallow. And it's so interesting to me because I feel like I felt like even more, especially after Repair came over. Yeah, um, that the Aces like had a decent bench that they could maybe not put out a whole bench unit, but like they could mix and mingle. Kirsten Bell has shown that she can play. Yep. In my opinion, she has shown she can play. Uh, Ace Shepard is still there on the end. I think I, 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 right? She's still there. She's still there. I just, I'm yeah. laughing at the way you said she is still there. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> oh, yeah, she's, she's still there. I feel like she can, she's what I remember when I saw her earlier in the year and she looked really good. I thought Rupert was going to kind of fix their big rotation a bit. I think she's been, Really solid. Raquana Williams being back. Like, to me, now it's not a lack of bodies. There seems to be some sort of distrust or disconnect or lack of God. I don't know. To me, like, you know, and I, I, I still have Becky as coach of the year, like we talked about, but there, I, I don't, I just feel like she doesn't quite trust that group. Well, no, and you can see in the minutes dispersal, right? So, like, the top yeah. five, the, the starters played. The, the lowest starter minutes was uh, Kia Stokes, 26.4. Quanta Williams off the bench, 19.1 minutes per game. Repair, 12.3. And then no one breaks seven minutes per game. That's, that's, see, that's a staunch drop. Like, that's like, a strong discrepancy. Kirsten Bell, Teresa Plaisance, these are not, like, nobody's. Like, you you can right. – And, like, it's weird, too, because, like, these are in blowouts. So, yeah. if, you're, if they're not hitting minutes whenever the game's basically decided – do you really think they are against a team like the Seattle Storm, where I think these games are going to be very close? I that's what I'm saying. I it's still very concerning to yes. me. Um, we talked about it all year, and I, you know, I was a little optimistic, like I said, when they added Repair and uh, Raquana Williams was more consistently available. But I mean, you can see, I could see. I, I again, I. I could see Becky like looking right past certain players. Yeah. And I'm just like for a team that seems to have such good off-court chemistry with everyone. It's weird that it's not clicking. Well, it's, it, it's not even that it's not clicking that we don't. It's weird that she's not they're they're not playing everyone. So that I think that is the biggest of the teams I view as contenders left, 
I think that might be the biggest concern of any of them. Mm-hmm. Like really and truly. Yeah, no, I'm. It, it's definitely something to keep an eye on. I, I don't really know what to expect with them. Like, I think obviously the highs are very high, but I think they're going to get tested. And let's move on to Washington or like the Washington Seattle series, so we can kind of talk about why they why I think they're going to get tested. Yeah, and this was the series that everyone pegged coming in that was going to be the most competitive. This everyone said thought for sure this was going three because these two teams were so evenly matched. I'm not going to say that it was necessarily not close, but. Seattle getting a sweep is pretty impressive to me. I think that I was finally starting to come around that I thought that there was a chance that Washington could win the title. I had not gotten there with Seattle yet, but I'm just, like, they're really good. Like they, they yeah. just are. They they just win games, and it doesn't feel like they they. I've not felt all year like they were a true contender, but when you see things like what they did to the Mystics, you start to believe a little bit. Your favorite player of all time, Sue Bird, with the 18 and 10. It's pretty cool. Uh, all, <laughs> five of their, all five of their starters and double figures is, is, is pretty solid, obviously. Like, I mean, shouts to Gabby Williams. I hope that she's able to come back. I know the concussion is always a scary thing. Um, Seattle is kind of terrifying right now. And they are. They are. And, shouts and, uh, to Washington, because I thought this would be them that we were saying. Yeah, it's kind of terrifying right now. I think they had a great year, and this team is—it's so weird that this team is out. And I, I'm not even like saying in the sense that like uh, this this is the issue with it being best of three. It's not. They they were not able to win a game on the road. Alain Del Dol yeah. was fantastic in game one. Seattle was just a little bit better as a team. I I don't think there's anything wrong with this result though. Like I mean, if if you want to move on, you got to win a game. Like it's it's that easy. Yeah, yeah. Game. And I mean, this is the four or five. Like. Yeah, you know the 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 quote unquote better team came out on top. But like, uh, I also don't know. Like, people would say, like, well, if, if they were that close, they had the same record all year. If it had been in Washington for the first two games, or if Washington, I still don't know. I don't know. I think Seattle's just it right now. And well, Stewie said they're peaking now. I, th- I think they are. They no, they absolutely are. Because in game two, you said all their starters are in double figures, mm-hmm. and they were. But did you pay attention to the field goal distribution? Yes. Yes. Talk it's, about that. It's crazy. Gabby Williams was five of six. Brandon Stewart was six of 15. Tina Charles, six of 10. Jewel, six of 14. Sue, six of 10. Like, I have come around a lot on the storm this year. I'll be the first to admit it. I will. I did not think they were going to be what they have been. Noel Quinn has done a fantastic job with this group in building a terrifying unit. Like I, I I am going to eat a lot of things that I've said on this pod and very vocally, like I was a big non-believer in Seattle storm and I was very wrong. I'll be the first to admit it. And, and I've also said before, and this is something I still stand by. Like if you're looking just to watch some, um, like highlight filled, like spectacle basketball, they're not your team. But when you sit there and watch the way they play this game, it's some of the most beautiful basketball, like ever. Genuinely, like the so way they thing, you, like if you're a coach, you like if you're coaching, yeah, you so need to watch the Seattle, Seattle Storm because what they do is so I don't necessarily want to call it technical, 
because they do have a level of flair to it. And that's also that also tends to be a loaded term when talking about women's basketball. But I, I don't think that's what you mean. I think it's just, right. They are surgical. Let's be real. Yeah, they, yeah, I mean that's that's the word I'm looking for. I mean it's like any teams that you know of in history, like Popovich Spurs and Quinn Storm are like right neck and neck. I yeah. mean they are just it's fantastic. To watch, because even, you know, everybody talked about Sue had tennises. Brianna Stewart was two assists short of a triple-double. Mm-hmm. And she was yeah. also the leading scorer. Like, and Jewel Lloyd, I talked all year about Jewel not being what she was last year. She threw that out the window. She said, oh, it's playoff time. I'm the mom, but mm-hmm. I'm finna wake up. Like From the last game in the regular season to the two games in the series, like after I, I, I was very negative about Joel this season, and she's making me eat it right now. And well, that's the thing. She did not have a good regular season. No, she did not. But she has thrown like it's like she just restarted. She's here so now. She, and and Tina Charles, say what you want about Tina Charles. I've had my issues with Tina before. I don't have a lot of issues with her often, but some of the things in the last year or so, she's locked in. Mm-hmm. She she wants she she wants a ring. You can tell. And you know that they are. And obviously, y'all, I had chosen the Mystics as my team for the playoffs, and that. But I mean, they they got dismantled, and I really yeah. think that first game, losing that first game by three points, really crushed them. Um, but also like Seattle capitalized, and you know it's kind of like the the inverse of the Chicago Liberty series where they lose that first game. It's coming from the Mystics' perspective, mm-hmm. and then they turn up the next. They just seemed a little out of sorts. And, and you know, Coach T talked about how he felt like they played some good defense and Seattle just hit a lot of tough shots, and they did. They did. But also, some of those shots weren't as tough as he made them out to be. So, that, that was a, you know, I, I wanted to see more from Washington. They were my team, you know, the team that I thought was going to, be a finals team on that side of the bracket but here we are and yeah so now they match up with the aces a rematch of the 20 our first finals together actually funny mm-hmm. enough and we'll be back later in the week to talk to preview that because i mean even if the games are tomorrow and sorry, today whenever this podcast comes out tuesday and wednesday the game threes and then the second round doesn't start till sunday which is yep interesting um i'm low-key frustrated personally because looking at the way the schedule folds uh the finals will start while i'm on my honeymoon which is unfortunate <laughs> i'm re- realizing that obviously i'm very happy to be getting married this is the secondary third like it, it, it's it's further from my mind than than what i'm implying by talking about it on a WNBA podcast but it is unfortunate that i like I, i'm whenever i was coming off of game ones whenever Connecticut looked like a world beater and Chicago looked like they might go home early. And I was like, oh man, am I going to have to miss my team in the finals? This is, well, <laughs> who knows? But yeah, I th- we'll be back later in the week to kind of preview that series. But I'm, I'm much more, I'm much more intrigued than I thought I was going to be. If you had told yes. me, if you had told me a month ago we were going to get Storm Aces, I'd have been like, yeah, I can't wait. I'm so yeah, excited for this I'm, I am too. And like I said, I, I guess maybe. One thing for me, um, because like I said, I'm I'm completely 180 on Seattle right now, and I'll be the first to admit it. Um, but I do think I can appreciate them more 
when my team isn't involved anywhere. Yeah. You know, so I'm really just kind of watching more neutrally than usual. I don't know. Is that a word? Neut- is neutrally a word? Is that correct? Is neutrally a word? That's, did I, I, did, did I just make up an adjective or adverb? Pardon me. I think we're, I think we're good. I think neutrally is a word. Neutrally is a word. Okay. I, it, it sounded weird coming out of my mouth. I don't know if I've ever seen it before. Um, but yeah, you know, but I, I really appreciate what Seattle's doing. And I know we talked about Noah Quinn on the coach of the year, but, um, I think she is an underrated. I do think she's still very underrated as a coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think some people still think what she's doing is just being propped up from the system that was there before her. But I, I don't think so. I, I disagree no, with that. I, I, I think right. that's very, I think that's very discrediting to her. Yeah, I think she's just done a great job. I'm, I'm fantastic I'm job. More and more every single game that I watch. Like they don't always play a brand of basketball that I, I find necessarily aesthetically pleasing or the most entertaining thing in the world to watch. But yeah, when it it's comes winning to playoff, basketball. What it a, when it comes to the playoff, all I'm looking for is greatness, and I think right now that they're turning into something like that. So yeah, I'm definitely excited. Anything yeah. else to wrap up? The, the the early the early slate of this of this postseason run. Um, I don't think so, Corey. Do you have anything else you want to discuss before we get out of here? No, did we, did we I think that anything? about does it. So, uh, we will be back later in the week. Like I said, uh, probably Thursday after game the game the three games three are done, we will put a bow on those series and preview the second round of, of the WNBA playoffs. So. Uh, that does it for us for this episode. Definitely uh, go follow me at OP. You can follow Bailey at Sir underscore Richmond 20. Please like, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff for our podcast, where, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, please follow at Outlet Pass BB for all of our coverage of the MMBA and WMBA. And with that, we will catch you next time on Rebel Edition. Gang. Okay.